Yo, this is Conan. You're listening to World of Wrestling Podcast with Tax and Rich. Boom. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the World of Wrestling Podcast. My name is Rich, and as always, I'm joined by my good buddy, Tax Williams. Well, kinda. <laughs> joined by the joys of the internet. We are. So we're doing this remotely, obviously, because of a certain issue in the world. COVID-19. Oh, I... <laughs> oh. <laughs> All the songs. <laughs> uh, so we're basically, we're chatting over Discord. I'm recording my audio. Tax is recording his audio. And we're going to mix this together in post. And so the production quality should be really good because there's nothing I hate more than Skyping podcasts where you can't hear what the other person's saying. You mean you don't want to hear... Yeah, it's just the worst. So we're going to high lengths to make sure we can get this done and keep our lovely listeners entertained and give you something to think about that isn't, you know, old relatives dying and everything else yeah. in the world. I mean, just remember, ladies and gentlemen, dear listener, if you are one of these people who have gone out panic bought loo roll, you're a, you're a, you're a moron. However, Absolutely. if you are struggling for loo roll, all I can recommend is get yourself a World of Wrestling Podcast t-shirt, <laughs> use it to wipe your backside, head over to amazon.co.uk, search World of Wrestling Podcast, buy a t-shirt, wipe your bum with it, reuse it, it's better for the environment, and s- let old people buy loo roll. Now that is an advertisement. Jesus Christ, mate, well done. Thanks. I mean, <laughs> I don't really want to suggest that you should use our lovely, lovely, well-designed World of Wrestling Podcast t-shirt to wipe your bum with after um, a number two. But desperate times, desperate measures. Absolutely. I'm going to put uh, a little, um, what's the word for it? Like a, a side note, I guess. Um, yeah. I am recording in my front room where my missus and my kid are likely to be very regularly. So if you uh, hear my daughter, like that, that just is the problem that we have. We're just going to plow through. I wouldn't call it. That's a horrible thing. I wouldn't call it a problem. Well, for someone listening to a podcast in their headphones, suddenly having a kid scream in the background. <laughs> like, I don't want them to think that I'm, you know, torturing babies or anything. Jesus. <laughs> torturing babies is what we can normally call Monday Night Raw. <laughs> Speaking of which, this week we are doing the WWF UK Rampage 1992, as requested by our friend Nick on Facebook. Yeah, and thanks very much. As always, like Nick's recommended a couple of shows before, and we'll always try and get around to do them in our schedule. If you do want to recommend a show, you can find us on Facebook um, at World of Wrestling Podcast. Um, but the best place to get hold of us is on Twitter at World of Rest Pod. If there's a show you want us to cover, let us know, put it down, leave us a comment, send us a DM, and we will add it to the schedule if there's anything you want us to cover. Yeah, so unless one of us gets severely ill or something, the pod shall go on. So let us let us know what you want us to do. Like, you know, we've got nothing to do. You've got nothing to do. <laughs> You're kidding me. I'm running an accountancy practice remotely, although I'm still going to the office three days a week until local law enforcement tell me I've got to stay in my home. I'm trying to be positive. I'm trying to get people involved. There must be some people bored at home just doing nothing. So many people. I would like to now start seeing if you're in isolation for 14 days, I'd like you to tweet us 14 gifts of the stages of your isolation. I don't know if you, if you follow me on Twitter at the Tex Williams, I was having a bit of Twitter banter with a fellow commentator, Sun, Sonny G. And he was saying like day three, he was Ric Frere stutting and not stut, uh, strutting. And I said, oh, day four, you'll be like this. And it was one of the classic Ric Flair front bumps. 
Nice. Very nice. <laughs> so let us know your isolation wrestling gifts if you are there. I know some of our our wrestling friends are there, so shout out to Will Power and his family who are currently in isolation and one fan Dan who's in isolation. Uh sure. get well soon, chaps. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um so nineteenth of Ram- April. Go on. <laughs> I was gonna say UK Rampage. Now this show is important to me because I believe this was the one of the first VHSs that I bought. You had this. A- I did have this, wow, yeah. Wow, awesome. So I I remember the Bret Hart front cover on it. Not to normally be confused with the other um UK show which is very popular, which has got the British Bulldog, and that was the Brawl at the Albert Hall. Which precedes this show, doesn't it? Yeah, I think that was like the white the white front with Bulldog doing some kind of an arm drag on the front of it or something to do with Bulldog on the front of it. Yeah, I remember that cover. I didn't remember this one. This was new to me. And interestingly as well, this was held at the Sheffield Arena, which is also the place I went to to see my first ever WWE show. Oh, cool. Wasn't there a, a story on one of the Super Quiz Cups? Uh, no, that, well, well, yes, this, well, we say it's a story. <laughs> it was a, 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 a dose of reality where I pretended to be part of the crew outside the Hallam Arena and I might have had adult cuddling with a lady following it, <laughs> claiming to be part of the crew. Was that a real one? Was that a That a was story? a real one, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant, cool. Because obviously at the time, big burly fat person, still doing some of the wrestles as well at the time, so at least I could sure. pretend to walk the walk and talk the talk um, Mate, and also brilliant. i was um you know rooming up with some other people at that show and it was just uh it was getting difficult sharing a room with two other lads so it was much nicer to share one with a lady <laughs> so we're on the 19th of april 1992 two weeks after wrestlemania 8 one of my favorite wrestlemanias what a wrestlemania Absolutely. And four months before my first VHS, SummerSlam 92 at Wembley Stadium. So again, just to set the scene, as we say, we're just weeks after Mania. This is where Savage regained the WWF title. Um, Warrior had just returned. Brett had reclaimed his IC title. And uh, Sid had tested positive for steroids. Oh, I didn't know that because he's on this show. Which is great considering um, his involvement in the show. (laughs) <laughs> so as you said we're in the sheffield arena sheffield england england hey. we got the virus we left our schools open england <laughs> so this was originally broadcast on sky movies plus which is totally weird because that is not where sporting events have ever really been broadcast as far as i'm aware but in 1992 um they only had recently started sky sports for the first seasons of the premier league so okay. Sky Movies was still where all of the wrestling pay-per-views were shown on Sky. So you'll see as we get through, if you watch this show on the network, you'll see that when Sean Mooney's holding out his, um, his microphone, it's got the Sky Movies um, symbol on the microphone. Sure, like Sean cuts a promo occasionally t- mentioning Sky Movies. And you're like, this is weird. All right. And the classic Sky logo from back in the day. Oh, yeah. To show how much of a nerd my brother was. He used to make the really bad versions of the animations of the start of these little sky intros. So he'd have like the animation of the sky sign coming in with the different colours using God knows what it was on the Amiga back in the day. But yeah, Jesus. he's a proper nerd. I-, I wouldn't even think that would possible. That's great. <laughs> Home computer. That's actually quite impressive. 
Yeah, and now he runs Sylvanian families and has shamed the family. <laughs> so, we are on the WWE Network. I, I'm very, very happy this is on the WWE Network because I wasn't sure it was going to be. So uh, give it a watch. It's only two and a half hours odd, wasn't it? Yeah, it was beautiful. Beautiful time. And along when you're looking at these classic shows, there's so many of the early 90s ones when they did shows over here. In the hidden, uh, it's not in hidden gems. It's in the um, just Silver Vision sort of section on the network. It's basically in ring, old school areas where you'd look for the classics, and that's where all the UK stuff is. Yeah, it takes a bit of searching. Like I had to search initially for the title UK Rampage, and then came across the '93 one, and then found the matches from '93, and then found the '92 version kind of underneath that in like the fourth or fifth category or something. Yeah, so it does take a bit of searching, but it is there. The 93 one had Yoko on it as well. It did, yeah. I was very tempted to do that one soon <laughs> as well. So the show starts and we get this kind of pop-up on the WWE Network that says, presented in the most complete form possible due to original production technical difficulties. As in, you bastard, Sky, you lost some of the footage, is what it seems to suggest. Or they deliberately missed off some of the footage. Oh, there we go. So our commentary team, as you might expect for this sort of time period, is Bobby Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon. I've always known as the best commentary duo ever in WWE history. The, the way they play off each other, they are unbelievably hilarious. They're I think entertaining. It's... They know when to be serious. They tell the stories. They, they're just the absolute best. I cannot say enough good things about these two. It's the best double X. I mean, Lawler and King were good during the Attitude Era because they did play off each other quite well. And they had a good bond. They had good chemistry. You Same mean Lola and Jr. But yeah, sorry, right. yeah, sorry. And um, okay. and Jr. and Heyman did all right during that little run, but consistently, when you've looked back or if you've listened to our previous episodes, I don't think there's ever been a show where we've done Gorilla and Heenan, and yeah. we've gone ah, they were really on an off day. Yeah, absolutely. They they don't have off days when they're re- when they're commentating for the WWE, FWE, whatever. Um, they're just on fire when they're commentating like Bobby Heenan's WCW days. Oh like, God, he's, he still has good lines, but Jesus Christ, it's like a different person when he's commentating for Vince's shows. He is yeah, he ha- perfection every single ma- second of this show. He makes an effort for WWF yeah. and WWE. WCW, it was a case of. I literally don't care, but I'll make what can I describe as a slightly borderline racist comment. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, a lot of his commentary on this show are very, very borderline. But if you take it like a stand-up comedian or something, which you should do with Bobby Heenan, you can have a good laugh at this. I've, I've quoted some of them, <laughs> so we'll risk reading those out on a podcast. That'll be interesting. It is amazing, though. Like you said, you take it at the time and take it as if a stand-up comedian was saying this. It's funny. We watch this back now and we go... Haha, it's funny, it fits the time. And as you said, if you were a stand-up comedian, no one would have an issue with it. Yet, the other, um, it's been about a month ago, I think, or even longer, one of uh, JR's comment on, um, on Dynamite, when he referred to someone as being sort of a top oriental superstar. And yeah. he got absolutely hammered for it. Yeah, I mean, maybe rightly so in this day and age, you should know not to call someone Oriental. But at the same point, like... That's uh, true, but then there's a tag team from the 90s called the Orient Express. Yeah, I know it's named after a train, but come on. Sure. There's definitely bits where Heenan doesn't realise he's saying something that all come across as being racist, I think. I think he sees everyone as just open, everyone's fair game, you know? Yeah, and I think for a colour commentator, heel colour commentator, that was 
how it should have been. Yeah, definitely back in 92, that's for sure. So we get the best opening video package of all time. Cheesy early 90s synth kind of stock music. Clips of my childhood cut over the top. We cut to the arena and my god, it is massive and the place is going up fucking bonkers. They say it's like an 8,000 seat arena at the time and it was a sellout and I'm pretty certain that was sold out. Yeah, like you can picture... That's I'm I'm imagining everyone that's listening to this show has seen SummerSlam '92 in some sort of <laughs> aspect, you know, like it's it's that but condensed, and everyone is screaming, jumping up and down. There's signs everywhere. Everything is bright WWE '90s blue. It's just the best. Some quality <laughs> mullets in the crowd. Oh Jesus Christ! Some of the Sheffield crowd, man. I've got some notes on their appearance. <laughs> as we go through so over some very loud music to cover up the music we originally used that we can't copyright gorilla welcomes us to the show he says welcome to the jam-packed sheffield arena welcome to the final leg of the world wrestling federation european rampage welcome to sky television Woo! he didn't stumble over his words this time so that's good (laughs) true professional Absolutely. Gorilla nearly always fucks up his opening line, but I, I regularly fuck up ours, so I mean, I can't judge. <laughs> so, Gorilla and Heyman are up in the rafters doing a piece of the camera to start the show, and you can just see this crowd going mental behind them. They put over HBK versus Randy Savage. Yes, please. I mean, and can you ju- imagine now, just looking back at that, because no, I don't think on a major, on a major US pay-per-view or event we got to see Savage and HBK and I'd completely forgotten about this match yeah this is the current greatest wrestler in the world against the soon-to-be greatest wrestler in the world this is a serious thing when I spot this had fucking Shawn Michaels against Macho Man Randy Savage I was like yeah 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 we'll watch this one this sounds great definitely definitely and when we get to it it did not disappoint it was so much fun let's put this in perspective this is a house show yeah, this there's not going to spoke well, there's not supposed to be anything glorified. It's not like now where they think that we need to do something to keep the UK fans happy, although in fairness they've phoned it in the last couple of years they've come over. But you knew you weren't gonna get title changes, you knew you weren't gonna get massive storyline arcs. It was just an opportunity for people to have fun and the bushwhackers to lick people. <laughs> we'll get to that don't you worry so uh gorilla and Heyman joke about sensational sherry being the maid marion of the wf because you know jolly old inglet tea and crumpets mate um, i love a crumpet <laughs> they put over the rest of the card joke about how no one in sheffield has paid their taxes probably a bit too close to the truth eh, tax <laughs> well you know when you've got the real the real main eventer the man who should main event every show in the world mr irs or WCW fans, Michael Wall Street. Yeah. What, uh, it's and not I, a joke. He's fucking amazing. He's so good. And and again, I, I don't ever recall, maybe when he was in Money Inc., um, he might have main evented a couple of shows, but certainly as a singles competitor on a WWF pay-per-view, I don't recall him ever main eventing a show. No, I mean, him and Ted DiBiase were so good as Money Inc., and you can see, we'll get to it in the main event, but I remember like seeing matches as a young man and realizing that IRS was a, a guiding veteran, you know, a guy a step above everyone else that can help everyone through matches and such. It makes you wonder if he were to ever have children in the wrestling business, if they'd be <laughs> any good. 
But one of them's not doing too bad. The other one, I don't know, I haven't seen him on TV for a long time. But, no, because he's doing a children's TV show. Oh, there we go. <laughs> they should still do that double act. It'd be so good, the two of them. Like, you know, one appears, the other one, they don't know who's who. It'd be so good. Anyway, yeah, who's, so... who's this guy? <laughs> I'd like the IRS trying to tell the fiend to pay his taxes. That'd be great. <laughs> And to Bray Wyatt going, excuse me, have you been declaring your income from this television deal you've got for this children's TV? Are you paying the Rambling Rabbit some money? (laughs) So we've got red, white and blue ropes, pale blue ring canvas, the blue ring skirts, black turnbuckles with the old WF block logo in it. It's just nostalgia filling the ring. It's so good. This was essentially the WWE, the Hasbro wrestling ring toy ring. If you Absolutely. had that ring, it had the it, it's exactly what it was based on. Yeah, I, I genuinely had goosebumps just looking at that ring and seeing these people commentating and seeing the crowd going crazy. And I know this show is a house show. It's not going to be the work rate era, whatever, you know, but uh, it's just... Oh, it's, what are you trying to say about LOD? <laughs> they call this one in tonight, Jesus. So our first match is... That the is evening. high praise. <laughs> is... Oh my god, I was so excited to see this. Tatanka versus Skinner! Tatanka oh. in, in tights? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He obviously left his gear on the plane and borrowed Hakushi's gear. <laughs> so this is the uh, the peak of Tatanka's popularity, I would say. His undefeated run pre-SummerSlam 1992. Yep, um, he was obviously venturing to various independent shows shortly after this. where he got to meet a very very young fanboy rich uh lucky boy um so uh this is my first skinner match i don't think i've ever seen a skinner match before really yeah i mean i know the guy i know the character i've seen the promos i've seen clips as such but i've never seen a whole match from him he's bloody brilliant exactly and you can see why he was the one who was put in charge of fcw when it first opened yeah absolutely so the crowd are hot as anything. Skinner and Tanker do the Goldberg Nash stand on the ropes to see who gets the biggest pop spot, which is odd. But they're, you know, they're they're wasting time basically because it's a house show. But they've obviously have a mandate from Vince, and this goes for every match tonight. Get the crowd involved immediately. Whatever you have to do, whether it's cutting a short promo, like turning to them, throwing your hands in the air, whatever it is, they're they're really all night. They're just trying to work the crowd and do as least wrestling as possible, basically. But again, it's to make it look so on a UK audience where the crowd is hyped, which they are for the whole show. Yeah. When you get that coming through on TV, that's the whole, wow, we want to go and see this if they come to a city near where we are. Yeah. So you want to build up that atmosphere. So it's more about, like Mania is these days, which obviously we didn't touch on during the intro. Um, you go because it's Mania. People go to Glastonbury because it's Glastonbury. You want to go to WWE because it's the event. And that's yeah. what I think they were really trying to promote here rather than the uh, decent work rate, which, uh, in fairness, these two have. Yeah. Let's not worry about covering WrestleMania and everything. Everyone's covering that. So it's out there. We'll just carry on with this brilliant show. It's so much just, better anyway. Just to throw <laughs> it out there, I have now main evented into a bigger crowd than <laughs> WrestleMania 36. Goldberg, <laughs> as main eventing, I've main evented the more people than Goldberg has at WrestleMania 36. Subject times, to... Subject to crew being allowed in on their various locations. That's a fair point, yeah. There might still be a lot of people around there. You never know. (laughs) How dare you? How dare you? (laughs) So the match starts with a very, very long headlock spot. Doesn't bode well. But 
Heenan is the funniest man alive. So, controversial statements to start with. Heenan goes, how do you pronounce his name? Is it Tatanka? It's like, what are you doing? Then Gorilla goes, what? He goes, Tatanka. What do you mean? Like, he's not doing anything wrong. Like, he's completely innocent. And then Heenan goes, do you know how you say hello to him? How high are you? How high are you? just like, fucking hell. That's so racist. Outstanding Heenan work. <laughs> he starts going, hi, how are you? Hi. I burst out laughing. It's like, Nandy, you have to listen to this. This is so funny. Oh, met, so bad. Met with shades of, this is pretty racist. And I think that's <laughs> probably why wrestling so popular it was very much a look of like what the fuck <laughs> this is what it is <laughs> so uh the match is genuinely pretty fun after the long head spot headlock spot kind of finishes um they do a random handshake spot halfway through the match that tatanka breaks by handshake yeah but then tatanka breaks it by punting skinner in the gut because he's the good guy yeah he's he's watched wrestling he knows we always criticize people why is the good guy going to shake hands with the bad guy? Yeah. Well, the good guy's finally got one over on the bad guy and uh, nadsed him. Seems an odd choice in front of this crowd in particular. You would have thought you'd go for the big obvious face spots and that it would be Skinner, the guy, going for the handshake and then kicking Tatanka in the gut. But they're, well, they're not... t- time constraints. They spent too much time pandering to the crowd and were told to the referee to go home. <laughs> so there is one gross thing about this match i don't know if you caught it but it seems like skinner is chewing tobacco during the match oh he does yeah and he did and kind of drooling over to tunker like yep. his tights start to turn brown he's got brown gross spit all over to tunker's face it's oh it's filth mate that was the spot that's why i think robbo's got his dribbling spot oh it's it's so nasty this genuinely grossed me out a little bit and i'm not easily grossed out yeah i think spitting something chewed into someone else's face body is always going to be a bit like a Bleh. yeah yeah it's it's not nice so skinner eventually takes over and is a brilliantly disgusting cheating scumbag uh skinner Beautiful. goes for an axe handle off the top while tanker is flat on his back which is a bit weird but tanker gets the boot up oi <laughs> native american version of hulking up for his finishing sequence chop chop samoan <laughs> drop all right heenan <laughs> i mean the native american is. version of hulking up that's exactly what he's doing <laughs> uh chop chop samoan drop from the non-samoan human being one two three and the tanker is your winner brilliant fun i love this match yeah a little little over 10 minutes this match from bell to bell um really good opener this is opening match got the crowd rowdy um skinner was brilliant had he come in as his pretty boy gimmick that he had prior to wwe i think he would have been a much bigger star but in real life um steve Kerrin really likes hunting alligators so in the time where every wwe character had a job it made good sense to have him being a gator hunter yeah considering he went from that kind of uh chippendale playboy gimmick to this he, he plays it brilliantly and this character suits him so well yeah i the fact he wrestles in those little hunter boots, I was like, ah, that'll be hard work. work <laughs> no wonder why we're going for a big, long headlock spot. We can't really work in those. But even then, they, they both were more energetic than a lot of other people on this card. Yeah, the match was double the length I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I, I, I was expecting a bit of a shorter one. And as you said, this was Tatanka's reign where he was 
very much um, the undefeated push to the main event. Um, so it was nice. It was competitive. Yeah, it was great. It's funny with Tanker where they were, oh, we've got this guy. He's big. He's strong. He's got a good kind of gimmick, you know. Well, what we do is we'll keep him undefeated for ages. And then he finally kind of works his way through the mid card. And then he's ready to take on guys like Ultimate Warrior, Savage, um, Hulk Hogan, etc., etc. And they go, well, we're not going to put him over those guys. So we'll just have him do a whole bunch of DQ finishes and then we'll job him out. It's, it's a little it's, bit of You've got to feel sorry for the guy. I, I wonder if it's anything to do with work ethic. Maybe. It, as you said, he had a very, very good look. But he had a Samoan dropping a... He skipped around the ring. Yeah. Native well, American I suppose the crowd gimmick. were into it, I guess. Yeah, but Native American gimmick doing a Samoan drop always seemed weird to me. Well, you know, that's, that's Vince McMahon. Ah, oh, Native Americans. They're Samoans, right? All right, Hayden, calm down. So, <laughs> Sean Mooney, yes, Yay! is backstage with the Legion of Doom, the Road Warriors. Wow. The, well, he doesn't do that. That's what drove me that, crazy. That's why I had he to did, throw it in. He, Animal doesn't go, right, Hawk, or go, tell him, Hawk. It's just like, you know, sorry, he says, right, Hawk, rather than saying, tell him, Hawk. And when it cuts to Hawk, Hawk doesn't go, well, at all. I'm like, what the fuck? Do you not know your promo? Again, phoning it in for the house show. Nightmare. <laughs> it's so weird. But they're in the red and black spikes, the same as like uh, SummerSlam 92. So again, nostalgia. Shouty, shouty promo. Uh, Hawk does his uh, backup promo thing that I've used for the Super Quiz Cup from a different show that sounds exactly the same, <laughs> where he lists injuries and says what their dreams are made of. And this is the opponent's nightmare. It's a good promo, but Hawk's eyes are completely bloodshot he is not in a good way he's just very tired mate uh, we all know the story of like him going off with uh what was it the hell's angels after some yeah. 92 like four months down the line he looks coke out of his fucking brain at this point i mean in fairness it's probably because someone pitched to him and said okay guys okay red warriors we've got a fantastic tag team for you to wrestle now don't worry too much about the backstory who else we got on the tour boys oh okay but we're gonna tag you we're gonna put you in a tag match against a new tag team who will definitely have chemistry they're from similar countries (laughs) similar countries (laughs) similar so we're gonna put you against colonel mustafa cheeky baby okay and uh what general adnan Better than that, Hawk. Oh, what, Sarge is here? Better than that, animal. Don't worry. We're going to tag him up with Dino Bravo. What is this tag team? The Sheik and fucking Dino Bravo. Where did this come from? Um, Evidently, a plan on the flight. Oh, it's fucking brilliant. So, Sheiky, uh, Sheiky and Dino come out first. Sheiky cuts... Oh. I'm calling him Sheiky. Call him stuff is a dumb name. Sheiky Baby is the best name I ever. wish that they'd made Dino Bravo wear Sheik's curly boots. Oh, can you imagine if they're matching gimmicks? Like, Sheiky's a bit more Canadian and Dino's a bit more Iranian. <laughs> I mean, I wonder if there was any form of uh, military alliance between Canada and Iran at the time. <laughs> I don't think so, mate. All aboard the okay. ship. So, Shiki gets in the ring, immediately grabs the mic, seemingly unsuspecting by everyone else in attendance and working that show, and cuts an inaudible promo. This is not the last time this spot will happen tonight. But this is what <sighs> I expect from this uh, from this promo. At least it's standard and what you expect. Yeah, absolutely. Um, simply put, 
Road Warriors pop. It's fucking insane. Huge. Huge, huge, huge. What a rush. And the whole place goes fucking insane. It's it's the best. It's the absolute best. Yeah, had it not been for had it not been for Bulldog, easily the pop of the night. Absolutely, man. Immediately, my first night stay said, well, this isn't going to take long. <laughs> so the crowd is screaming, L-O-D, L-O-D, throughout the whole match, it feels like. As oh. Dino Bravo tries to remember how to bump. <laughs> yeah, he's a big boy. Very well, big it's boy. not a case he's a big boy. I think what, he must have had a... Boy. a wide boy. He's not some kind of London yuppie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, literally, he's a wide boy. But he was bumping in a way that you could tell partly working safe and partly from someone who now struggles to back bump. Yeah. That's, I, it looks like he was trying to do it safely. Oh, also, Animal and Hawk just ran through him and didn't give him a chance. Yeah, they're not subtle wrestlers, to say the least. They were not working safe. They were certainly working <laughs> very much quite the aggressive style. Sure. I think uh, most of the cocaine's doing the wrestling, to be totally honest, but we'll see. So uh, Hawk bumps into the ring post and the cameraman. The heels get some heat for a minute or two. Literally about a minute. Shiki goes for a suplex. Hawk's like, uh-uh, and does it himself. Exactly. Do- Don't break the plans. <laughs> Double down with Hawk and Dino Bravo. Hot tag to Animal. The LOD match. LOD smash. Smash, 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 smash. Hawk hits a clothesline off the top to Shiki because we're not doing the doomsday because it's a fucking house show. One, two, three. Winners in four minutes, 25 seconds, which is much longer than I thought it was going to go. The Legion of Doom. That's uh, the Legion of Doom's longest ever match. (laughs) It's very close to being. If you take out horseman matches, I mean, genuinely, it might be one of their longest matches ever. I mean, this is very much, as you said, who have we got on the tour? We need to get the LOD on there. We need to get them over people who don't really matter but have a degree of name value. Sure. And it was just a case of, right, Dino Bravo's still here. Uh, we've got the end of uh, Mr. Mustafa, cheeky baby. I mean, um, let's put this out there. So you've got Legion of Doom, who at this point are kind of in the prime of their careers, I would say. Yeah? Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree with that in the early 90s. Against... Dino Bravo, who's still kind of in the prime of his career, kind of winding down a little bit, and Colonel Mustafa, the Iron Sheik, who's definitely the end of his career. Okay, so you've got one veteran in the ring. Who takes the pinfall? Well, it should be Hawk. (laughs) (laughs) So Sheik takes the pinfall, right? It's almost like using veterans to put young guys over is a smart idea. Oh, no, it was only smart in ni- the 90s. Mm. No. And, and then the Attitude Era happened, and good became bad, bad became good, and storytelling was all was a lost art. Yeah. And then we have today, where they're just like, oh, we've got, uh, got this young guy over. Oh, yeah, yeah have, him, have him get fucked. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> well, it's a good thing that now millions, 100,000 people in attendance, and ESPN will want to show WrestleMania so they can see Goldberg... <laughs> In front of no fans, botching his way into probably beating, yeah, Roman. Oh, do well, we no, because I mean, I think obviously Punk said it on his Twitter, but I think it's quite funny. It was like, oh, well, that's one way to get them to not boo Roman Reigns. <laughs> if I was a camera guy in there, I'd just sit there and go boo, absolutely, and just, just upset them. But 
Yeah, it was a different time. But as you said, it should be. The veteran, clearly Sheik is on his way out, but little did we know he'd come back at WrestleMania 17 and win the Battle Royal of all Battle Royals. Yeah, boy. It's a great battle royal. I tell you what, there are literally no positives about the current climate (laughs) in the world. But if there's only one thing we can all take solace from, it's the fact that in around the US, you can only have gatherings of between five and ten people, which means no Andre the Giant Battle Royal. Oh, <laughs> I hadn't even thought about it. That's quite funny. Yeah, no Battle Royals, no multi-man matches, because if you noticed, all the main matches mentioned for Mania so far are singles matches. So you've right. got two wrestlers and a referee. If you, have a tag ma- if you have a tag match, you might be able to get away with it, two tags and a referee if they're distancing, but yeah. does it technically count as a gathering? Oh, I have no idea, man. Like, I mean, what I know the, you haven't what watched, the hell are uh, ICP going to do? <laughs> they can't have a bloody gathering. I know you haven't watched Dynamite from last night. It's the first uh, no arena, no fans uh, in the arena show. I mean, did I, I, I contact people. I messaged you earlier and I said, obviously, I saw um, Sammy Guevara um, singing Jericho's song with MJF and Sean Spears. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, these lads are coming. It's like people coming to watch our bands, except your band was a bit more popular than mine. When you're like, oh, these, these three drunks are really enjoying this, and there's well, lots that's of space for other people. Like. <laughs> it was kind of like with uh, Beyond Wrestling. I don't know if you've ever seen their shows from the early days, where they just had the wrestlers around the ring. <laughs> it, it, it made for a really entertaining show, because like you can see the Lucha, I think it's the Lucha Bros against uh, the Best Friends, who have a really bloody good match, by the way. And you can just hear MJF at the ringside going, let's go, mask guys! <laughs> <laughs> just taking the piss, and like taking bets on who's going to win the next match and stuff with Sean Spears. It's, that- I genuinely loved it, I thought it was hilarious. I'm looking forward to watching this. I think the feedback you've sent online so far is that AEW have certainly done a better job of a no arena show than everything at the PC. But then again, I guess if you've got the space to be able to do it, you need to have things to fill it. Whereas at least at the PC, if you don't have people in, you can zoom in on the ring, darken it down, it looks pretty cool. But I will look forward to watching Dynamite, mainly to see the Exalted One, and also the surprise debut after the Exalted One was uh, unveiled. We should probably go on with the show, but the best thing about the AW show for me last night was they, I swear, they did double the amount of pyro they usually do. <clears throat> exactly, so for the budget. They just went crazy and were just like, fuck it, we'll put on a show. Just add loads more pyro. <laughs> It'll be great. <laughs> it's so silly. Pyro makes wrestling better. I absolutely agree. So, uh, Sean Mooney, yay, should have replaced Michael Cole. Uh, backstage <laughs> with a very young looking Sid Justice. My god the potential on this boy yeah but he's roided out of his brains at this stage yeah if, if you take that away Sid and softball cu- season <laughs> and scissors um, <laughs> oh on sid cuts a fucking terrifying and quite sweaty promo on the undertaker it's uh, hard work to cut promos Thing Builds with up a Sid, sweat. <laughs> the thing with Sid, much like Clint Eastwood, is that he doesn't blink ever. Sid and Clint and, Eastwood. Like if you watch Clint Eastwood's like speeches to camera, he never blinks. So you focus in on what he's saying. And Sid Justice is obviously watched some Clint Eastwood films because he's doing exactly the same thing. He's, he's certainly intense, isn't he? He's terrifying. Like I'm a 34 year old man in a day, um, and. Just like watching this dude, I'm like, nope, nope, I don't, no, thank you. <laughs> this guy is so scary. 
I'll always remember that his like his facial reaction when he wasn't given the title match at Mania before him and Hogan did battle and he stood up thinking he was going to be given the title shot and then they give it to Hogan and Sid's facial expressions there. It's like, oh, even though I know this is hammy, he looks proper scary. Absolutely. Why did Sid never become the man? Softball season. Is it literally just a work ethic problem? Like he just didn't turn up sometimes. Always claiming to be hurt backstage through um, listening to the Sid episode on Something to Wrestle, um, Bruce Pritchard's podcast. Yeah. It seemed to be that Sid was just unreliable and always had an injury, always had a complaint, always had a gripe. So if he was supposed to go and put someone over, he'd suddenly become injured and wouldn't be able to do it. And that seemed to be the reputation that he had. And also, Hogan. I know Hogan's trying yeah. to decide what he's going to do at this stage. So Sid would have been the natural like follow-on from this. But again, he got Hogan shit all over him, and uh, that was about it. It's like you look at the top faces WWF are growing at this time. Like You've got Bret Hart, you've got Shawn Michaels coming through who could potentially be a top face who we know does through 96, 97, etc., etc. You've got, what, Undertaker, you've got Macho Man, you've got a Ric Flair on the horizon, you know. Sid is the perfect guy to work all these people. Yeah, we've been, he would have been the top, he, the big man for them to go against. And then you could, you know, if we'd not had it at this house show, really building for Sid versus Taker, which unfortunately when we got it at 13 was the shits. Yeah, it, it's so surreal. In the, I feel if someone had had more faith in him, then maybe he could have been like a significant player over the years, but he never quite broke that glass ceiling, you know? It is incredible to think as well that we've just come out of WrestleMania 8 with all the, the, the shits that happened there, and then we get five years down the line till 13 when he headlines with Taker. Yeah, it feels and, way too far away. Like, he's ready now in 92. But then if you think, I know obviously he had time away, etc., but... What did he actually do in those five years? Yeah. He's not even on SummerSlam 92. Yeah. It's incredible. And he's in England four months before doing this tour, wrestling The Undertaker and not getting Undertaker uh, over. Like, he, <laughs> we'll get to the finish in a bit. But he doesn't put Taker over clean like I everyone know. else had to. I mean, the only thing I can suspect at this time while he wasn't given the ball was due to the steroids. And obviously, this is around the time yeah. of the steroid trial as well. So I would imagine him being here quite roidy um would not have helped his his cause at all sure so we cut backstage to a second interview it's lord alfred hayes god bless this man he's amazing backstage hey. go on and classic classic brit oh hello i'm lord alfred hayes <laughs> i love how he plays it up even more for this role as the interviewer. very very hammy <laughs> it's great though uh with paul bearer and the undertaker oh uh, yeah Mate, yeah, Paul Bearer is the best, but this is the weirdest thing. Taker talks in the the, the interview. Well, he's babyface now. But, but, but it's ninety two. He's not meant to talk in ninety two. He's meant to be the silent, stalkery, evil Undertaker guy. I know he's that, a face, but still. that's exactly it. Turn him face. Faces have to cut throat promos. Bad guys need to have a mouthpiece and be part of a so, manager's faction. <laughs> Taker says he's got a gift for Sid. Oh, that's nice of him. But, oh, the gift is a tombstone. Not such a nice gift. <laughs> At least it's not a drill, though. <laughs> 
We're back in the ring with Harvey Whippleman. How, why did they Former bother to Former women's fly this champion over? Harvey Whippleman. <laughs> Absolutely. The fact they even flew him over is astonishing for this tour. Uh, so he immediately threatens to slap out <laughs> Jesus to slap out lovely female ring announcer this evening. Uh, and Whippleman gets heat for Sid, which again, like they're cutting a little promo before the match. Every single match, it feels like. Well, it sets the scene for our Sky Movies viewers. Yeah. Did you recognise this uh, female ring announcer, by the way? No, I would assume that she is somewhat of a a bigger deal. Mm, don't I know. wonder if she was was she a UK based sportscaster, possibly. I'm not I th- sure. I think she had kind of a southern kind of states American accent, but whether she was playing it up or not, I'm not really sure. But she has the big '80s kind of bouffant permed hair and a bright blue shiny suit and such, and she does a pretty terrible job of ring announcing. To be totally honest, I, I mean, I think I was probably avoiding the ring announcing skills by the classic terrible 90s ensemble she was wearing it was uh loud (laughs) i made macho man look pretty like passive today (laughs) so our next match is the undertaker with paul bearer versus sid justice with harvey whippleman harvey whippleman sorry it's time for some hoss tax a wrestlemania main event yeah absolutely so uh sid screaming and sweating all over the camera on his way to the ring because he's a very very sweaty boy um yucky 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 yeah so uh again sid to me should have been a top star but it's just a real shame that he never really got there he did have the the look of a ww main event guy it's what vince loved in this time yeah, absolutely. And he does Although have he doesn't some... love the courts, so it might make sense that he's not there. Yeah. He has those moments with Taker, which again wasn't very good, but with HBK later in his career and such, but it's again, it just took him such a long time to get there, but it's what it is. So Yeah, and it, it's crazy to think that we're looking at a show back from nineteen ninety two and we're now looking at one of the prominent feuds going to Mania involving The Undertaker and AJ Styles. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh it's weird. Did you watch um was it SmackDown or Raw where Taker threw the table over and AJ came out and stuff? Well, they're they're really playing up the human Mark Calloway, aren't they? Rather than yeah. uh the the dead man. So I would have speculated that potentially we'd be seeing Limp Biscuit at WrestleMania had we not got all the stuff going on. I think we'd have had yeah. Mark Calloway on a motorbike Very with well Michelle could've. McCall riding on the bank. Very well could have. Um it is concerning. Undertaker doesn't look like he can even walk, let alone wrestle. But you need to keep around for those Saudi paydays. Yeah. I mean, he really wants some of the gate for that PC appearance. <laughs> so back to 1992. Dong. And the whole fucking arena bursts into flames again. It's fucking amazing. We love like, Pyro. We love go- Pyro. The goddamn pop for Taker. It's just incredible. Yeah, and... As said, for someone who's only been face for like four months at this stage, yeah, I, I still love the face turn, the stealing of the steel chair from Jake Roberts who is he, as he was waiting for Savage backstage. I love oh, that. Yeah, man. Beautiful, beautiful television. So Taker is only two years into his WF career and already one of the most over people in the company because they're putting him over. I'm just, I'm just at this point begging anyone from WWE to learn from their history. Please learn from your history. Look at what you can do by putting someone over strong early yeah, into I, their career. This is what we said on last week's episode. 
the reason why you've got these main event guys, you didn't ever see Hogan rocking around the IC title. He was main event. Yeah, Warrior was built. Yeah. Warrior was built slowly to see if he could cut it because he didn't have the the ability, the promo ability. Yeah. But if you put people in straight in the main event, like AEW have done with Brody Lee, he's going to be straight in in the 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 big picture. Yep. Moxley, he's be. a bigger star because he's there in WWE. AJ Styles was probably the last person I actually had as a main event talent, but he still hasn't been main eventing. They cocked him up. Yeah, it's so weird. Imagine Taker being in the PC for a year. Then we put him on NXT as, you know, Mark Calloway, and we give him two years there. Then we give him the Undertaker gimmick, and we spend another two years trying to get that over slowly. And then we bring him up to the main roster, and we bury him versus all the veterans. It's like, it's so dumb. They've got a real opportunity with Killer Cross to do yeah. something special, put him straight into the main event and have him run through people. Because the thing is, now a lot of wrestling fans are smart and they see these people come through. So we already know what they, they can do. But from a, from a fan standpoint, without having this whole back history and a lot of people are becoming smarter wrestling fans, God only knows, because it's only probably the smart wrestling fans who still watch the product. Well, yeah, I don't know, like I always it. bang on about casual fans. But can you imagine to a casual fan who doesn't really know, there's no NXT, there's no background of Killer Cross, and just have him come out and obliterate Roman Reigns? Oh, it'd be amazing. I mean, that might happen. It and go over happen. Roman Reigns and not have a 50-50 booking and just have him for a year run through absolutely every top star to establish that person as the top star and then have him lose to Riddick Moss for the 24-7 title. <laughs> I always keep picturing whenever they're introducing Killer Cross of him coming out and butchering John Cena live on television. That would have been lovely. I don't know whether they're going to do it or not, but anyway. So, um, blah, blah, slow-moving taker, then suddenly astonishing... What's at- new? Astonishingly athletic taker. He is genuinely incredible for a big man. We get old school, flying clothesline, taker goes for the tombstone, Whippleman up for the distraction on the outside. One-handed choke slam by Sid is genuinely impressive. Looks they, great. They eventually make their way to the outside and smash the fuck out of each other. Sid rolls back into the ring. Ding, ding, ding. What the fuck? The bell rings. Both lads back in the ring, brawling away. Sid gets the best of Taker and celebrates his count-out victory over The Undertaker, because he's fucking dumb. Uh, Taker sits up. Tombstone Sid from fucking nowhere. (laughs) Everyone looks strong. It's so great. Getting his heat back, obviously. Uh, Sid rolls out and heads to the back as Taker poses with the urn in the ring. Um, I mean, it was fun while it lasted, I guess is the best way to put this match. I mean, The Undertaker's now a face, so he cannot count to ten. <laughs> they, I swear the ref did not do any counting at all. They just went ding, 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 count out. No, no he, was, he was definitely counting because okay, Undertaker was stood on the it. apron at flipping eight. It's like he got up there a bit too early. He was like, eight. Nine, ten. Nope, sorry. Sorry, Mark. You're not coming back in. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, seeing these two against each other is, is such a spectacle, but uh, they they found, they gave us a tombstone and a choke slam. Yeah, the choke slam was good. Yeah. So, <laughs> Sean Mooney, yay! Interestingly, just for quickly cool. back on that one, it's amazing how Goldberg tried to replicate that single-handed choke slam and sell it for The Undertaker in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> 
So Sean Mooney backstage with Shawn Michaels and Sensational Sherry. What a valet. What a valet. Awesome. Can you describe how they look at this point? Um lots of little chains and tassels. Shawn Michaels (laughs) had the, the really nice little dangly earring as well hanging out of it. It's Shawn Michaels was in this stage where he had his little leather semi arseless chaps as well that he was oh, wearing. It's so good. It's the same gear that Sean's wearing at SummerSlam 92 for reference. But uh, like Sherry's deep kind of like drag queen levels of makeup. It was it was like if you've seen on on my Twitter where I put the picture of my daughter with her face painted. It just looks like someone's done that to Sherry. Kevin Sullivan. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> Sensational Dungeon of Doom Sherry. <laughs> oh, that's a gimmick we're going to get over. But uh, the, Dungeon of Doom Sherry, I love it. That's great. But this duo works so well together. And Shawn Michaels should always have credited, and I'm sure he does, Sensational Sherry's input on his career because her being his manager just put him to the next level at this stage after being in the Rockers for so long. Having Sherry there, singing his theme song badly. Oh, it yeah. Top, top cringeworthy heel work. It was really, really good. I've heard at least one interview where Sean puts over Sherry strong. And he says uh, stuff and- like, he would literally go to Sherry and go, tell me what to wear. And that's where his gear came from. It was literally this, all Sherry. And this is where she ripped him and it worked. <laughs> Perfect. It's such a good heel. He is so easy to hate at this time in his life. He's brilliant. So um, it's like, it's, he, was, he was like a young Randy Orton. Where everything yeah. Michaels did, you just hated him. He was yeah. a cocky. So he was good. so good at being a cocky shit. So uh, Sean Mooney puts over. We are moments away from Macho defending the Big Boy Belt versus Sean Michaels. This is not for the Intercontinental. This is for the World Heavyweight. This is Sean's first shot, I think. I believe so. And this is here on the card because Macho wanted to get home. Yeah, absolutely. It's like the third match in, isn't it? So HBK says shocking a lot in his promo, and tonight he's going to shock the world. HBK then obviously falls through a wall wearing a sparkly Stormtrooper helmet. Or was in the hand of the Mountie and shocked people. (laughs) Kind of dumb promo, but good heel heat. It's it's great fun. It made people not like him. Yeah, yeah. It it served a purpose. Our next match, the w- oh, we're going to skip over Guler and Heenan doing their pieces to camera because they do yeah. a lot of them. But there's lots of Maid Marion and English references and them joking with each other. They're genuinely brilliant. Um, Watch it. Watch yeah, it for yeah. the humour. Please do. It's well worth it. Um, WF World Heavyweight Championship match of the Macho Man, Randy Savage, with Miss Elizabeth, our current champion. Not obviously... Macho's our current champion, not Miss Elizabeth. Indeed. I love that. She dropped the belt to his wife. <laughs> Versus the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels, with sensational Sherry. I mean, line them up, boys. This is me all over this match. It's bloody brilliant. This was Miss Elizabeth's last ever WWF appearance. Oh, wow. Yeah. Holy that, shit. That was yeah, it, it would have been. Because she's not a SummerSlam 92, is she? No, this is it for her. She's done. Wow, surreal. So what's the story there? Did they divorce soon after this? Yeah, because when, when they did their match made in heaven, um, marriage at SummerSlam in 91? Right. I think 91 was their wedding. Um, then they were actually on the verge of divorcing at that stage. Uh, okay. Because it, it feels awkward at times. Oh, it was awful. It, it was 
it's the sort of thing where y- you watch friends who are trying to still be mates and hang out in the same social group when they're not together anymore and they have an interaction. You're like, ugh. Yeah, it's a little awkward at times. So um, this is obviously Vince testing out having the World Heavyweight Championship match halfway through the show in front of a British crowd. Before oh, well, I, I, I suspect this was before the interval. Yeah, it feels like it. So the big yeah. thing to pop the crowd. So obviously we've got Bulldog in the main. So you're not going to put Macho Man above that because no. basically everyone will go home by that point. And also, we don't want Bulldog to have to follow Macho Man and Shawn yeah. Michaels. There is that. <laughs> so again, the pop for Macho Man is absolutely insane. It's just O-V-E-R. He is over as anything at this point. But the, again, because this is one of the the earlier shows that we get to have all the big names over in the UK, just, you could have had, well, as we see when I, I made the joke earlier about the Bushwhackers, but even when the Bushwhackers came out, their pop was huge, but Macho Man's was yeah. blowing the roof off levels huge. Yeah, I mean, in terms of pops, it has to be Bulldog number one, and I would suggest Macho Man's probably number two right next to the LOD. Oh, yeah, I think LOD and Macho, I think LOD had it, Probably because it's earlier in the night, but yeah, yeah, it's huge. It's it's bonkers. So, um, what's the potential of being able to recreate the magic of Macho Man and Liz's storylines in the um, modern as, era? Uh, in the modern era, wow. Um, they could do it with Ricochet and his his girlfriend, the uh, the Ninja Warrior girl. So uh, that Kat, Katzengana was it? Or yeah, no, Casey Katzengana. That's, that's the one. Know. Yeah, yeah. Um, they tried with John Cena and Nikki Bella, and yeah, that worked really well. well. Who, who suggested that m- marriages and weddings in wrestling go go badly? Do you think you could do it? I guess you can't now do it with Rusev and Lana, but I think you could have at one point. They were so over. Um, if you make Lana an adorable person, which I think she could definitely be, you could have done it. But with the whole Bobby Lashley storyline, I think it's that moment's gone. Who else could you potentially do it with? Otis and Mandy Rose. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> It'd be so uh, good. Coming out to main event WrestleMania. <laughs> Otis with Mandy Rose on his shoulder. Beautiful. Can you, <laughs> I can see it now. And Tucker <sighs> getting jealous, so then they can have the fight at the back. Oh, it just writes itself. I Fucking really hope hell. Creative never listen to this podcast. <laughs> the mega shit powers. You know? <laughs> imagine doing that caterpillar and mania. Oh, fucking hell. So uh, Heenan immediately on commentary goes, uh, Floozy the two-timer in reference to Liz. Just I oh, mean, close to the mark, isn't it? Uh, well, yeah, maybe so. Um, so Gorilla and Heenan get over that Macho has an injury uh, left over from his uh, title-winning match at WrestleMania 8 versus Flair, uh, which kind of lets HBK into potentially winning the match is the story. And they play off of it every single moment for the first like 10 minutes of this match. They're, yeah, they're playing for the genius. advantage, isn't it? They're they're the best wrestlers in the world, undoubtedly. Macho, it's, especially at this point. Yeah, having Macho basically be able to take Michaels to one side and say, "Right, this is what we're gonna do. This is what you're gonna do. This is how we're gonna bubble it up and down. Yeah. This is how we're gonna take them with us, and this is how we're gonna get the payoff at the end." Yeah, like Brett and Sean in '92 are becoming the the best in the world. They're very very close to being there. But yeah, yeah it's Macho is genius right there. Right him and Flair I say are right up there with the best two. Their match structures take them to a complete different level. Absolutely. So HBK trying to go for Macho's leg, HBK doing some killer overselling. Like it's a bit ridiculous at times, but he plays the brilliant yeah, but- slapstick comedy heel. 
But it's 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 HBK. It's his selling, isn't it? Yeah, I'm sure. So Macho is in control until Sherry grabs Liz and shakes her about at ringside. Ragdolled her everywhere, <laughs> prompting Macho to send Liz to the back. Uh, you know, <laughs> not the not the first time that's happened. <laughs> to be locked in her cupboard, I guess is what we're saying now. But uh, it's a bit too close to home, I think. Well, at least he didn't kill her like Luger did. Well, fucking allegedly. hell, allegedly, Jesus. Ooh. Let's just move on from that one. Um, <laughs> HBK takes over the match after Liz has gone to the back. Uh, I wish the kid with the air horn would fucking die at this point. Outrageous. There's just ba 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 macho. Two seconds go past. Ba 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 macho. Another two seconds pass. Everyone loves an air horn. But, just like, stop it. Please, stop it. Are you, are you telling me you don't want me to try and bring air horns back to independent wrestling? God, there's even some fucking dickheads in the crowd that can't do the rhythm right. So they go, burr, burr, burr. <laughs> expect everyone to shout macho. And it's just like, ah. Whoever <sighs> let them take those into the arena should be pummeled. Absolutely. The, the, like, at this point, it's bad. Two or three matches after this, I'm like tearing my ears out, just being like, please get rid of the fucking air horns. So I reckon they arrived bad. late at the arena because you didn't have this in the first few matches. Oh, yeah. I, so bad. Maybe so, this is the first type from a young age where I realized wrestling fans are fucking assholes. <laughs> yeah. Especially British ones that aren't used to it, like the regular regularity of having the WWF there. And Basically, so they go all out and have the air horns and bollocks. Air horn fan is the equivalent of modern day progress fan. I mean, you said it, not me. Uh, I sport did. wrestle talk. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we've got no connection with progress, I don't think. Or we probably do, actually. Fucking hell, okay. Don't lose me my job, you bastard. I, I, I think deleting some episodes will probably prolong your employment. <laughs> nah, it's all banner. It's all good. So uh, I'm this... sure he'd see it that way. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> so um, careful now. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is an absolute work rate match in this, 1992. This is the, easily the best match on the card. These two did not phone it in. Macho went in going, okay, we're going to give them a show and we're going to steal the show. And... I'd say this was, again, just WWE's ability after this match to go. Savage would say, yep, he can go. And yeah. then they strapped the rocket to HBK. Absolutely. This is Savage giving Sean every opportunity in the book to see what he can do. There's rolling and diving maneuvers, reversals constantly. Sherry is at ringside mocking Macho and talking up HBK the whole match. They cut to her regularly. Like, the combination of these three... With HBK and Sherry as the heels and Macho as the good guy. It's, it's fucking awesome. It's so good. It was a nice playback towards well when Sherry was managing when he was Macho King as well. So that yeah. was good as well. And they had that I hadn't whole, even thought about that. And they still had that whole link between Elizabeth and Sherry as well. So there's that continuation as well. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. So uh, speaking of Sherry, Sherry attacks Macho at ringside and a very big lass with a very 90s hairdo shouts and gestures at Sherry aggressively to which Heenan on commentary goes, oh, give me a second. Hey, look at that girl in the front row. Two girls wearing the same dress. Oh, it's only one. 
He's like, you dick. You absolute oh, dick. Beautiful. It's so funny. He just, oh. everything, everything was pure gold. And just to be able to come up with that off the top of his head. It's yes, so Bobby. It's so fucked up. But oh, it's genius because everyone is looking at that girl with the massive weird bowl cut screaming at Sherry. She looks furious. And the fact that Bean, instead of playing it down or playing it up, just <laughs> rips into her as hard as she can. Oh, it's so funny. I couldn't stop laughing. It's so wrong, though. But that's what makes it so funny. It was such a change as well, because up to this point, whilst obviously Heenan's being the usual Heenan, it was very much a, a classic wrestling match with wrestling commentary until yeah. that moment. And it, you could even <laughs> tell like Monsoon was like, <laughs> yeah, he's corpsing. He's 100% corpsing. Send for the man levels of just like, that was the best thing I've heard all night. He was so, a, uh, very best. HBK ducks down to avoid a stampeding Macho Man, and the down goes the ref. Elbow oh. dropped by Macho, but there's no referee to count the three. Sherry in to attack Macho, but Macho, Macho sends her packings by standing up and staring terrifyingly at her. Uh, the ref finally back in. One, two, HBK kicks out. Macho straight spits in Sherry's face. And I'm like, oh, god damn, you just spat on her. That's disgusting. Well, Sherry... there's been lots of Go spitting on. on this show, haven't there? There is a bit too much, in my opinion. But anyway, so uh, repeat the spot, but pulling Sherry. Oh, wait, hang on, hang on. I'm sorry. Sherry up on the ropes, like, literally leaning in, screaming at Macho Man for spitting in her face and everything. Big pop for a returning Miss Elizabeth to push Sherry over the top rope into the ring repeat this spot a couple of seconds later but this time sherry getting pulled off the apron by miss elizabeth a bunch of great diving cross bodies a bunch of reversals macho has sean pinned for the one two three and your winner the macho man randy savage retaining the wf whatever championship what a it's showcase fucking brilliant i know i've said it a couple of times but this was the highlight for me by a long way one of the best matches we've covered in the last few pods we've done as well. Yeah, it's, on a house show? It was great. Absolutely. Storytelling, yes. Wrestling, yes. Slapstick through the, the valets on the outside, yes. Breath bump, always important. <laughs> and yeah, and, and as we said earlier, this was the coming out party for Shawn Michaels. They yeah. had the opportunity to say, look what he could do with guidance and then be able to take that on board and put that and implement that in his own matches. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really, really enjoyed this. I, I know we sometimes say things like, oh, you should definitely watch this show, you should definitely watch this match, but, and that's because we genuinely mean it, but this match, just if you have never seen HBK and Randy Savage, go and watch it. It's yeah. phenomenal. So there's some really fun stuff post-match as well, because these guys are determined to get their story in as much as they possibly can. I think hopefully setting up for stuff in the future that never really comes to fruition. But um, HBK and Sherry try to stab Sherry's heel into Savage, like uh, the heel that she's wearing, obviously, not that she's a heel. Oh, God, that's hard to say. I love um, the play on world. <laughs> play on words. Ah, I'm a heel. <laughs> Macho moves. Sherry hits HBK. Macho gives him the double noggin knocker for good measure. Uh, Macho no one, no one protected the their heads either. No, at nothing. At that stage, the no noggin knocker. Macho, uh, sorry, Macho has Liz on his shoulder. Perfect. Goosebumps. I know it's a bit awkward, but it's just the magic of these two in the ring. Even at this time, where their relationship's falling apart, 
They're just well, she was the first lady of wrestling. Absolutely, man. Macho Absolutely. is literally the greatest of all time. I wonder if he realized at this point that he's just wrestled the other man that could arguably be this number one spot. Would you say, um, where would you rank Savage in in ring ever in WWE? Um, he's right up there. Um, he's top so five. He's, he's, minimum. I was gonna say. I was gonna say he's easily top. He's easily top ten. I'm pretty sure he'd make my top five. Yeah, for me. Just in ring, we're not talking promos and stuff, but we are including character because character obviously is yeah, a big part of in ring. Exactly, in ring that the the whole in ring presentation rather than promo. To me, Sean has to be number one. Okay, I, I don't think I could put anyone else there because he's a perfect face. He's a perfect heel. His character was always over. You knew exactly who he was, what he was doing. He sells like a monster. He goes over everyone. He's a vicious little bastard when he needs to be. Um. Brett is very, very close. Uh, I'd say Brian Danielson is also very, very close as well. Yeah, I mean, n- in no particular order because I wouldn't want to go there. Uh, I again, I'd go HBK, I'd go Brett, I'd go Savage, I'd go Dragon, and I'd go Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Interesting. I'd go. I'd go Perfect over Flair because Flair wow. is a pro- Flair is excellent in ring, but as we said, he's got one match and it's a bloody good match, but perfect to me was that person who would elevate talent to that main event level yeah cool so uh, obviously this is intermission at this point because they cut to black for a second and we come back to gorilla sending us down to ringside to sean michaels <laughs> he then corrects him sean mooney gorilla <laughs> and the bushwhackers Way. come out and do their entrance to walk towards sean mooney can you describe their journey from entrance to getting to sean mooney it was quite a long journey. I mean, obviously, there's not that far for them like to the walk. like the fucking but, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> but they went on what can only be described as a quest to lick a face. They had to lick multiple faces to make sure they found the right face. This sentence is something I not thought I would ever say on a podcast. The Bushwhackers... Until, well, until this point, yeah, at this point. So the Bushwhackers get accosted by the crowd as they make their way through. They literally have to walk through, like... 50 ring, 50 aisles. What's the one I'm looking for? 50 rows. 50 rows, thank you very much, of people literally in their seats. It's bonkers. And um, licking every child they come across on their journey. Can he do that, Joey? <laughs> we hit different punchlines at the same time. That was oh. great. <laughs> Can he do that, Joey? Coronavirus, whatever it is. Like, this is bonkers. Why do they have to walk through the crowd to get to Sean Mooney, who's at the back of the arena? Because that's how they get their fan interaction. It's so strange. What you didn't see is the part that Sky Movies cut. <laughs> what did they cut? Oh, that was an attempted joke. It went oh. horribly wrong. Uh, they probably might have cut something, but this, this takes, what, five minutes? This was a long promo segment <laughs> just to go and have the Bushwhackers on the show. It's This weird. is like Lana working the Saudi show. Ah, oh, here's Bobby Lashley. Bye. Yeah. Bushwhackers actually had to work for their money. It's almost like they could have jumped out to the LOD and actually have a decent tag team in there against the LOD. How dare you? The Canadian-Iranian connection were essential. (laughs) So the Bushwhackers finally make it to Sean Mooney and they're completely blown up from doing their entrance. They uh, cut this inaudible promo about sheep and catching the good-looking ones and he didn't just randomly chimes in going, they're idiots. 
<laughs> so, like, I mean, so the, they they did they were very aggressive, weren't they, with the sheep herders pre WWE? Yeah, yeah. So they like they've got history with sheep. Yeah, it is weird. They do some jokes about hot cross buns and British things, and do some bum licking on Sean Mooney. It's a very very weird time for wrestling. Let's say that. Yeah. Um, Mooney does the bushwhacker walk with the boys and the thing is completely over. The whole place are doing the bushwhacker walking arms stuff. It, it's kind of fun, you know? Um, I, I think, obviously, for the younger audience, that would have worked really well. Watching it back now, it just makes me go, ugh. Fair enough. I mean, the gimmick's over. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's good they managed to translate that into selling tickets. <laughs> so Lord Alfred Hayes yay is backstage with the eternal racist that is Jimmy Hart and <laughs> I'm the Mountie I'm handsome I'm brave, brave I'm, strong. I'm strong I'm the Mountie and I enforce the law he's the best oh uh, he was wasted when he went into the Quebecers wasn't he yeah, fucking A, man. I love the Mountie. I'm such a huge fan of this gimmick because it's the first match on my favourite VHS of all time. Him and the Nasties against uh, the Bushwhackers and Hacksaw. Summertime 92. The Mountie will always be part of one of my favourite childhood memories of, of wrestling storyline, which was the um, the jailhouse match between him and Boss Man. Yeah. Where Boss Man ended up putting him in. A, the, the lose would have to spend a night in a New York prison cell. Yeah, man. It's a good story. Very, very good story. So tonight the Mountie is facing uh, Virgil. Did you know he was a fourth <sighs> member of the NWO? <laughs> I mean, there's only one positive from this. Mountie might actually get a win this evening. Well, let's watch on. So uh, the story is Virgil has a broken nose. Mountie's going to exploit it or something. Blah blah blah. Mountie's promo is surprisingly racist. I found. He's the Mountie, <laughs> so he can be racist. He's a lovable Mountie. Mounties aren't mean. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so he says he saw Virgil. Well, a man that looks like Virgil, and you're like. <laughs> sleeping by the side of the road and he woke him up to give him a shoe shine always um don't think this is okay <laughs> this is yeah what do you I think mean, bi- business is business Blumenack. it's so- terrib- terribly 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 wrong virgil boo uh, even though he is the victim here, it seems. <laughs> yeah, you're booing the victim. Yeah, but you he's just massive heel. He's so bad. He's so bad in life, in gimmick, and everything. He's just the worst. Maven uh, was the modern day Virgil. Wow. At least Maven could do a drop kick, you know. But anyway, so oh, actually, he did, that's he had harsh. A very, the Virgil could do a drop. That's Virgil's drop kick was quite good, actually. <laughs> Maybe you are right. They're very similar. <laughs> So he's backstage with Sean Mooney. Yay! It's obviously a pre-tape because it's like... Sean Mooney, and you can see why Billy Corgan's very sensible because Sean Mooney now does all the backstage stuff on power. Cool. Uh, it's a shame that show isn't keep going. You would have thought if any show would keep going with this coronavirus bollocks, it would be power. Yeah, but still, still that many people... <coughs> Excuse me, that many people in the studio. Not worth the risk. 
Yeah, sure. So Virgil does a promo. Uh, the next match is Virgil versus the Mountie with big fucking racist dickhead Jimmy Hart. Um, well, you know, guilty by association, the Mountie probably wrote the promo for the Mountie. Read uh, this. Maybe, yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounds likely. Probably encouraged at least. <laughs> I don't think the Mountie <laughs> is naturally racist. He seems like a decent human being, but you know. racist by association. Yeah, sure. Like everyone associates with Hulk Hogan. So uh, pre-match Mountie promo, again, doing another pre-match promo a second he gets to the ring. And he tells us that he is the Mountie. <laughs> like, yes. He always is, gets his man. This is everything about pro wrestling I love. The Mountie. He's the best. He is. I mean, it's amazing how his tech partner is still wrestling to this day. Yeah, PCO. Yeah, PCO, sure. yeah. So uh, Virgil's theme uh, is fucking awesome, and there's also Virgil. Jesus, <laughs> poor poor Virgil. Well, he's earning more money than AEW than he ever did in WWE. Sure. So uh, do you want do you know about the whole broken nose gimmick with Virgil? Do you want to explain this? Because uh, this is a bit beyond me. I lost track. Oh, I I wasn't aware that there was anything other than the fact he was like, oh, he's got this nose protector, <laughs> broken nose. <laughs> He's wearing the Batman nose guard yeah. thing that sometimes footballers wear and such. He wore it in the same match with a uh, Million Dollar Man when he won the Million Dollar Belt, I think. Sure, I remember the clips. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen the match, but I know of it. So um, Heenan says that... They, lo- Go on. they loved a face mask at this time because we also had Beefcake having one next year. Well, they did the Mega Powers. Speaking of the face masks and slightly racist things... Bobby Heenan chimed in on commentary <laughs> and says that all wild dogs have to wear a muzzle, and that's Virgil's. Um, walking a very tight line here, Mr. Heenan. Or he's recently watched Crafts. <laughs> um, let's just move on. So uh, <laughs> they've only just started, but Heenan and Gorilla have completely given up on the match. They're joking about Heenan's escort, Martha, who's showing him around. Virgil starts shouting at Mountie about shining his shoes, uh, which is honestly, I I'm, I know I rip, rip on Virgil quite a lot, and I love the Mountie, but this gimmick of Virgil coming back at the Mountie going shine my shoes, boy, is kind of cool. I think uh, it was nice that we had Virgil shouting back at the Mountie to prolong the um the story itself. The uh, at least with the pre-match interview at least there's some degree of continuation but uh, unfortunately it doesn't matter who he's in the ring with every time i see virgil and other than you know he's got an all right drop kick it never does anything for me yeah i completely agree so virgil shouting at the mountie leaning over him the mountie suddenly pops up rips off the nose protector and rabbit punches Virgil in the nose taking over the match and I cheered loudly (laughs) it's a brilliant heel spot it's hilarious Uh, Heenan and Gorilla are now chatting about Robin Hood on commentary they have literally given up they're talking about their holidays and what they've been doing (laughs) the sightseeing and stuff it's fucking hilarious I wonder I know obviously there was a a pre-match promo before this one but I wonder how um how much time these lads had to say right guys you're going to be on a uh, UK rampage so let's get something together and therefore maybe Heenan and Monsoon didn't have any time for prep sure and that maybe shows in this match because Mountie does what I wish more wrestlers would do and halfway through his heat bit he grabs the mic and just goes I am the Mountie <laughs> which he did earlier as well I love and it followed by a chorus of boo yeah 
gets uber heat, keeps this crowd hot in a match which, frankly, no one gives a damn about. So, um, no. go on. You there? I am. I'm just coughing. Oh, okay. No worries. It's fine. I'll try and remember to cut that bit. Maybe if I don't. Hello, internet. How are you? <laughs> Virgil, being the dastardly bastard that he is, attacks the Mountie from behind while Mountie is talking to the loving crowd, his loving audience on the microphone. What a bad face. <laughs> Jimmy Hart trips up Virgil because Hart's a fucking racist. Uh, did I mention he's a racist? <laughs> anyway, so uh, my monitor goes out. Virgil uh, <laughs> loses the match. One, two, three. <laughs> So, uh, Virgil walked into the Mountie shock stick. <laughs> I mean, it's careless. You yeah. hate to see it. What an idiot. How dare he? The Mountie's just standing there with his shock stick. And Virgil just damages himself on the shock stick, which leads to the Mountie winning, obviously. I mean, if you're not looking where you're going, yep. you've only got yourself to blame. <laughs> We're not biased at all. But you're winner, the Mountie! And he got his man. Yeah. So good. I love this match. It was terrible, but brilliant in the same time. <laughs> anyway. I, uh, I, I literally have nothing else. To, I mean, when I mentioned about Virgil, it's, it sounds really bad, but it just instantly took my interest from the show. I was like, yeah. oh, I hope there's someone in the next match who can boost my interest in the show again. Well, Sean Mooney is backstage again with the model, <laughs> Rick Martel. Yes. See what I did there? Uh, so, uh, do, you, do you watch South Park? No. Okay. I'm just going to throw this out there because someone will get the joke. Okay. You might find it funny. There's a song in South Park that goes like this, which feels very appropriate considering we've just had the Mountie and now we've got Rick Martel. There's no Canada like French Canada. It's the best Canada in the land. The other Canada is a bullshit Canada. If you lived it for a day, you'd understand. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> it's the best. <laughs> so, Are we uh, going to get a copyright tick for that? Nah, it's fine. It's only <laughs> South Park. They won't care. So uh, Martel is jobbing. I mean, wrestling Bret Hart tonight. <laughs> oh, but again, this, this had the potential to be something very, very good. Two blokes who like to wear pink. Yeah, I mean, you're wrestling Bret Hart. Baby, don't bring your pink trunks on the tour, you fucking dumbass. But he's the model. He's full of arrogance. Oh, so dumb. But speaking of the person he's wrestling, we cut backstage to Lord Alfred Hayes. He is backstage with the Intercontinental Champion, it's 1992, Brett the Hitman Hart. Oh, oh 92 Brett. Brett Hart is best Brett Hart. Just thinking that back in the day when the icy title meant something and this was the, right, you're next in line. Yeah. And he was. I mean, he looks awesome. The leather jacket, the pink and black gear, but with patterns and graphics and stuff on it. It's not like the real basic shit with him and Anvil back in the day. The promo solid. Hogan is an utter cunt for not putting this guy over. <laughs> but what could have been. But more importantly, what's Anvil doing? That's a shame. That's the saddest part of it. Uh, I think the answer to that is crack. Yeah, right at the back. Yeah, exactly. With Davy Boy, right? Standard. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, our WWF Intercontinental title match of Bret Hart, the current reigning champion, who obviously uh, is going to win this match because he's got to wrestle Davy Boy in four months in some uh, Wembley Stadium, <laughs> versus the model Rick Martel, who, let's be honest, is fucking brilliant. He's way too good to be a heel. Yeah, and well, where we got heel and heel at SummerSlam with... Um, Rick Martel and HBK to show more of a comedy style later on but this is again a really good solid solid in-ring match to showcase Brett and get him ready and put him in a good position for for Wembley I mean it, it's it's Brett wrestling a heel we're in 92 which I've only seen a few times so obviously I, I, that SummerSlam is like my my shtick almost and Brett kind of plays yeah. up the heelish character more but you hear this and the crowd again goes fucking insane they're reaching out for him and you can tell brett is happy as fucking pig and shit to be here he loves the european audience i think it's fair to say that brett was more over in europe than hogan was but obviously hogan was more over in the states than brett was you really feel that brett kind i know it kind of is played up in 96 97 with the the anti-american gimmick stuff but I don't think Brett dislikes America. He just loves wrestling in Canada and Europe and stuff because I think he's the most over guy in existence. And and the fans are more appreciative of, of his in-ring style. Well, yeah, I mean, we're biased in time, but, you know, generally European and Canadian fans are better crowds than Americans, I would say. Um, I wouldn't say necessarily. I think it's because we don't get as much exposure to the product yeah, which leads to them being more intense crowds, I guess is the best way to put it. Exactly, but I think if, the, if let's say, they ran it... I mean, look at the NXT UK crowds. They started off really, really hot, and then no one watches the program, so we don't know if the crowd are any good. It's partly to do with the product, but I know what you mean. So um, Martel is wrestling Bret Hart, and Martel is wearing pink, as we've talked about. Dumb. Can, can uh, he do that joey yeah can he fucking do that joey he seriously shouldn't like this that's a bad idea anyway so brett gives a little girl at ringside his pink shades the same ones that you used to give to all these kids at ringside and he I... <laughs> go on <laughs> no i was gonna say i always wanted those those little glasses fucking hey there are some that exist you can find them on ebay occasionally yeah but i still can't put them over my own glasses so that would look ridiculous oh you never know you get prescription ones that'd be awesome <laughs> jesus so brett gives his the little girl at ringside his pink shades and there's this really nice moment and he known on commentary chimes in now did he give her those glasses because he liked her or because he was trying to hide her face <laughs> you're like you're a dick that's <laughs> oh, so funny so um crikey air horns air horns air horns bloody european fans with their air horns I mean, I love the crowd in general. They're really, really fun this night, but air horns during this match. I think maybe I'm just becoming a wrestling snob. Air horns, boo! They're terrible. There's moments when Brett and Martel are doing the thing that I don't know if we should give this away, but I think people know it happens. They're lying on the floor and Martel starts kicking his boot like he's frustrated or something. And obviously the idea is that the fans pick up on this rhythm and they start kind of clapping along and it builds to like, you know, uh, like an American teen movie or something to big, slow claps. Um, and because there's fucking air horns going, that like the crowd just aren't paying attention almost. 
So they, they try it like five or six times to repeat this spot, and it just never comes to anything. It's, it it's became weird. very distracting, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's a nightmare. So um, Martel and Brett basically do the beginning of Martel and HBK from SummerSlam 92 with the, the car wheeling out of the uh, back body drops and throwing punches at each other and such. Um, I don't know. I thought it was brilliant. I really enjoyed the beginning of this match. I think you could tell the second half of the show was the rest. Well, well, the second half of this pre-interval and now is the wrestling part of the show. You've got Savage and HBK, and I guarantee you, Brett was like, "Nope, we have got to outwork what we just saw." And you know, you're already fighting an impossible task. Sure. And they, they get a lot from doing very little the first five minutes of this match. Is they're pretty much just doing clothesline reversals. And it's I just think that, that's clever. one of... Exactly. That's one of the, the great part of a Bret Hart match. You get so much for doing so little. Yeah, it's just really clever, really simple, really to the point, big showy stuff for an audience that just want to have an entertainment level at this point. Yeah, and, 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 and they were eating it up. They yeah, absolutely ate it up. So both guys are working for each other the whole way through the match, which is lovely to see because in '92, not a lot of people were working for their friend. You know, it wasn't. No, it was very, very levels. selfish, selfish time. Yeah, uh, pioneered you, by Hogan. You could, yeah, absolutely. You can tell these two are just really willing to work with each other. They're not overselling or stiffing the fuck out of each other, but it's solid and it just works. Yeah, it's it's. It was it was what I would appreciate more as a wrestling an adult wrestling fan than I did back in the day. Yeah, because I think I quite enjoyed the the clubby clubby style of like LOD back in the day and didn't really appreciate how messy and stiff it was. But like we said previously, the more you watch Bret Hart matches, the more you realise and start to understand how incredible he was. Yeah, absolutely, man. So Hitman goes after Martel's left leg, getting him ready for when he taps. I mean, <laughs> so Brett can apply the sharpshooter. Uh, then Brett bumping into the turnbuckles. Oh, well, that's it. So you know how uh, Brett, when he gets Irish whipped into the turnbuckles, he bumps kind of chest first? Yeah. And throws himself back. I'd love to see someone adopt this because it's the coolest little spot. I wonder, though, if it's a case that if people in the past have asked and he said no, because it's uh, I wonder if you know, like Austin always says, "Oh well, Kevin Owens asked if I could use the stunner." I wonder if anyone's approached uh, Brett and said, "Could I do that?" And Brett's gone, "No." Yeah, so maybe people, so, man. Because so many people have taken the sharpshooter, so oh, they're, yeah, they're not that. having my little whip thing. Yeah, you can probably hear my kid in the background, by the way. But ah, she's cute. That's so good. So, uh, double down. I know you love a double down. Everyone loves a double down. <laughs> Brett goes into his classic sequence of Manhattan drop, Russian leg sweep, vertical suplex, backbreaker, straight elbow drop off this off of his rope. Just well, so... exactly Brett 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 off Brett's rope. Yeah, lovely. So slick, so smooth. Hang on, He's... slick wasn't there. He wasn't <laughs> even on the card. But Brett, this sequence he does every time is I oh, shit hot man. He's the best. Um, and, and a lot of people, and I, not definitely not putting them in the same class, but at least when you've got people like Cena, he's got a defined sequence of moves, similar to how Brett had at this time, yeah. and that's why I think he, Cena got over with some of the younger teenage fans because you know what he's going to do, but repetition and familiarity is important. But it, what Brett did with his moves and his essentially his regular spots and sequences. 
they just fitted into any match he was doing. Yeah, and I think the big difference between like what you're describing with Cena and Brett is that Brett's look brutal and professional and like you know the kind of thing you would see in a martial arts movie. They're all technically perfect. Yeah, whereas Cena's is quite hokey. Yeah, and Brett's opponents would always say he's like the lightest guy in the ring. He just yeah, the, doesn't hurt you at all. But it which looks is always like it it's it's so sad that it was Goldberg kicking Brett. It was it's so sad that it was another wrestler who finished Brett off. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because Brett's one of those guys that it's that legendary thing about the great pro wrestlers, where everything he does looks like it fucking sucks to take, but everyone says how light he was to work with. It's it's. I mean. I'd probably say maybe other than that, a handful of people, everyone would have loved working with Brett in WWF yeah. and WWE. I don't know because his attitude may have changed in WCW. If anyone has, as if he took the same mentality when he was there, but yeah, I think sure. cause he was so passionate about trying to be the top guy in this company, then, and, and you could tell because they weren't going to put the big boy belt on Brett to headline Wembley stadium. But considering that that was, I'd say, a legit sellout at Wembley, they trusted Brett and Bulldog to do that. And yeah. that goes to show how good Brett is because he, as we've said on Super Quiz Cups and when we've covered 92, you can find it in our archives, worldofwrestlingpodcast.com. Brett led every match he had and Brett led the Bulldog when we get to SummerSlam because he is this good and he can feed the crowd and he can work off the crowd and it's just incredible. 100% man obviously just uh, incredible is not here either <laughs> so um yeah so because it's a house show small package out of nowhere by Brett for the one two three no sharpshooter unfortunately which is a shame I would have loved to have seen it I think this crowd would love to have seen it too uh but yeah keep keep them keep them hungry for SummerSlam yeah sure and he he more than rewards them with that match at SummerSlam 92 and that spot, you know, the one that he practiced on his wife yeah. that he thought in the middle of the night where he's lying on his back and he can lock in the sharpshooter. Oh, yeah. talk about good. I'm sure he was trying to do another thing lying on his back with his wife in the early hours of the morning. <laughs> do you want to try this manoeuvre? <laughs> yeah, fucking A. Uh, it's still one of my favourite spots of all time, that, by the way. But anyway. Yeah. So, and still, for now, your WF World Intercontinental Champion. That's not what it's called. The Intercontinental <laughs> Champion. All right, Monsoon. <laughs> Brett the Hitman Hart. In uh, about as solid as a wrestling match as you can probably expect on this sort of show. Uh, Martel yeah. is almost too good to be a heel. It's very difficult to boo him because he's so technically sound and just can work and is giving. But um, yeah. we get an awesome Brett slow-mo thumbs up to the camera at the end of the night as well. It's, it's great. It's really good. Yeah, good good, good production value for 92 for a house show. Sure. All right, let's get through these last matches because we've already gone like 90 minutes. And <laughs> yeah, okay, let's, let's go. Let's go. Well, I mean, to be fair, from a note standpoint, which I've got, so we've got two matches left on the card and we've got everyone's favourite, American hero. Oh, no, no, don't worry. He's going to Hollywood. No, you've got Oh, USA, USA. Hey, tough guy. <laughs> I've got my two by four. I've got my American flag. He no, no, this. it's not the Godfather. It's Hacksaw Jim Duggan. His backstage coming out of the toilet as it's flushing promo is genuinely hilarious. <laughs> Just absolutely killing killing any credibility jim duggan ever had he says there's going to be no leg dives no takedowns just grade a hands going up the side of that mast head of his in reference to 
The, the Hamburglar. I mean, the Repo Man. <laughs> oh! I love Jim Duggan. Maybe the most over guy ever in wrestling. Uh... Listen to the crowd. All he has to do is move his hands like three times and go, pump, pump, pump. And fucking 8,000 people go, USA! USA in Sheffield, England. <laughs> You're like, this is I mean, genuinely not... impressive. He does fuck all in this match and is one of the most over guys in the whole show. Not support Heenan, but people from Sheffield were stupid. <laughs> in 92. Uh, Heenan has a great line in. We'll skip over the match a little bit. You, it's Repo Man versus Jim Duggan for fuck's sake. You probably know what's going to happen. Um, Repo Three point Man... stance for the win. <laughs> Repo goes to slam Duggan into the turnbuckle at one point. Heenan goes, That won't hurt him. No sense. No feeling. <laughs> <laughs> Which I couldn't stop laughing at. I thought it was hilarious. But, but um, of course, you know. We're near the main event, and we've got to keep everyone strong because this is early 90s WWE. Of course. So could we actually have a clean finish off the three-point stance? Nah. Nah, of course, course not. not. Why bother? Got to get the Repo Man over. <laughs> exactly. Everyone looks strong by clocking it. So basically, Repo clocks Duggan with his chain in full view of the referee. What I refer Who- to as his pikey hook. <laughs> He's about to go and lampoon some Ferraris. <laughs> but again, the stupid heel... Cheating right in front of the referee. Who would have thought it would have led to a DQ? In yeah. fairness, though, in modern WWE, the referee would have seen it and still let the match carry on. So it's nice that the referee's enforcing the rules. Fucking A. There's some good cat and mouse stuff here no. with Duggan and Repo after the match. But it's, uh, yeah, just Duggan's super over. Repo Man is uh, kind of a nothing character at this point, I guess. This was the definition of a popcorn match. Yep, absolutely. Let's everyone go to the loo, grab a snack, getting ready for the... Main event of the evening. Um, Gorilla and Heenan joke about Bulldog's trophy from the previous British tour. Uh, What, Diana? (laughs) (laughs) That was quick. Uh, Heenan has the coffee pot and he's going, is this his trophy? (laughs) I'm like, there's a Saudi joke here somewhere as well about jelly, but let's move on. Fuck it. Oh, Spidey loves the jelly. Absolutely. So uh, Lord Alfred Hayes backstage with the Bulldog quickly. Uh, Davey does not look human. He's very muscly. He looks uncomfortably muscly at this point. He's, I would say, a good, what, 30 pounds heavier than he is coming into SummerSlam? You, you'd think he would struggle to be comfortable on a sofa. Yeah. He, uh, yeah. he seems to have issues, let's just put it that way. So Bulldog not, says... Go on. He's not in a good way at this stage, I don't think. No. So uh, Bulldog says that the British people all pay their taxes. Uh, not in Sheffield, mate. <laughs> but, uh, Bulldog also says, tonight, IRS, you're going down the Bulldog way. You know? Oh, so he's going to be doing it doggy style. Hey, there we go. Where's Road Dog when you need him? Uh, time for your main event of the evening. Uh, the British Bulldog versus one half of the WWF Tag Team Champions. Owen R. Shyster. With- the greatest finance professional in the history of professional <laughs> wrestling. <laughs> with swat face racist Jimmy Hart by his side. Uh, right, damn, so- damn you, Jimmy Hart, ruining the beautiful aura of Mike Rotunda. <laughs> IRS is fucking brilliant. He wrestles in a tie and dungarees. He's the best. And slacks and shiny shoes. Uh, he cuts another short uh, in-ring promo which I think every single one of these matches has this, where it's just like, this is unnecessary. You're IRS. You're over as a heel, mate. Don't worry about it. Well, we don't want any cheapskates 
getting uh you know getting away of not paying their taxes to get their cheap heat sure so rural britannia kicks in the whole fucking place blow the roof off the building talk about instant over uh i I've got instant goosebumps man i was just like wow that's a pop it's so nice to see bulldog get acknowledged and finally put in the hall of fame this year because yeah. whilst the whilst this is going to sound possibly sacrilege for a british wrestling fan he was good but his <sighs> best work was with dynamite kid in a tag sure i think as a singles i i think his own personal issues got in the way of any potential success he had and also yeah. i think he was always going to be destined for a mid-card session based on his accent because that's what vince is yeah with with a well-documented crack cocaine habit there was a severe problem he was never going to get beyond this point but simply put he's our guy no wade barrett's our guy (laughs) (laughs) in 1992 yeah he's our he's our guy he's the only guy he's the only british guy he's it he is everything for me as a kid he was just like that's my guy. That's to what most American kids have, you know, Macho or Hogan. Bulldog is it that. Was Hogan to me. Or, it was Hogan or Bulldog for us, wasn't it? Really. Yeah. And I fucking hated Hogan, <laughs> so it was always just like it's Bulldog or Bulldog. Like I liked Macho Man. I liked, you know, a bit of. Oh, I hated Ric Flair as a kid because he was a great heel, but you kind of love him at the same time because he's so good at being a dick. But to me, it was always Bulldog. Bulldog was my guy as a kid. So to see this and see this reaction, it's like you can see why. Yeah, and as you said, that here to then multiply it by ten for Wembley for the next show. Yeah, man, it was insane. So Davy comes out in his kind of cut-out variation of the SummerSlam 1992 gear, braids. <laughs> it all goes downhill from here with red, white, and blue beads in them. Union Jack tights, Union Jack cape that attaches to his wrists. So when he lifts his arms out, it shows the flag. Union Jack wrist guards. He's roided out of his fucking brain, but he looks incredible. It's a good thing he's got IRS to help him guide him through the match. (laughs) The whole match is IRS going, okay, I'm just going to throw you to the outside, have a minute, then come back in when you're ready. Davey gets back in the ring, do a singular spot. IRS is like, right, back out you go, Davey. (laughs) It's hilarious how much, as a a person that understands kind of how wrestling's put together now, uh, Davey has no fucking idea what's going on in this match at all. It's all IRS. I think IRS was like, Try and remember your spot. No. <laughs> That's what we're doing. Go back outside. No. It's like a teacher talking to a kid, like guiding them through something. So there's this moments where Davy is literally just drifting off into space, looking out into the sea of people going, oh, and IRS has to be like, oi, 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 pay attention. You're still thinking about your payday. <laughs> it's fucking, it's, it's, it's scary to see, but genuinely funny at the same time Davey is what a silly boy what a silly silly such boy such a shame such yeah. a shame god if only he could have got himself clean so but, uh, um, IRS has to be the most underrated worker of all time he was incredible wasn't he I, yeah. I, it's not the sort of thing you ever see him in these marquee matches but when you do watch an IRS match it's the case if you forget how good he is yeah, like the spots where the face stands on his tie to stop him backing out of the ring. Yeah, 
beautifully done. And it's all probably on his brain because that's why you wear Absolutely. a tie. Yeah. You've got the gimmick and you want people to use it. It's funny. Yeah. And IRS like just diving out the way at the very last second of Davies' clotheslines and stuff. Beautiful timing. He doesn't top duck, pro. Doesn't duck down three seconds before and wait for the face to go over the top. He literally waits for that last second and kind of like matrixes out of stuff. Yeah. Fucking hell, he's Out, good. He's man. So good. So but IRS, again, I, go on. I think the IRS character again was always going to be limited because he was just a tax man. Yeah, maybe. He was so. never going to be a legitimate top wrestling star, but he still got that big showcase and that tag with Million Dollar Man really made him. Money I think Inc. that was, was the best. Yeah. Money Inc. was fantastic. And then like, their feud with Hogan and Beefcake was, was really exciting to have. The match quality stank because Hogan was in it. But you saw <laughs> Beefcake's the problem, mate. I'm telling you. <laughs> well, no, Beefcake was getting the hot tag. Well, Hogan ate up all the, uh, well, I say sold. He sold all the offense of uh, sure. GBRC and, and, and IRS. But back to our main event. I mean, as you said, the fluidity of Mike Rotunda in here and to work with someone who is, by and large, needs to be guided was just, he got another great match out of. Bulldog. Yeah, sure. You know, if, if Brett can do it, so can IRS. That's the levels we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's genuinely impressive how good of a match he gets out of Davey here. So uh, quickly, let's run through a few of it so people get the idea of it. But uh, yeah, we're, we're almost done there. So IRS winds up the crowd, literally refuses to engage three or four times, suspects there's some heat, so keeps doing it. Davey raises one hand in the air and the whole fucking place give him a standing ovation. <laughs> You're like, wow. Huge, huge. It's power, controlling them with the power of his hand, literally. It was amazing. Incredible stuff. Uh, Davey stands on the turnbuckle and Gorilla and Heenan can't hear themselves think anymore. It's so loud in there. A lot of spots, IRS to the outside repeat. Then a lot of IRS throws Bulldog to the outside repeat. Feels like IRS is guiding Davey through the whole match. Heart up on the... Um, Sorry, Jimmy Hart up on the apron to distract the ref. IRS, yeah, boo for four, for sure. IRS tries to cheat by swinging the briefcase at Davy, but Bulldog punches him in the belly. Davy boy has IRS up for the power slam. IRS grabs a hold of Jimmy Hart like he's literally swimming to get to Jimmy Hart on the apron. Beautiful sell, beautiful sell. Baby Earl kicks away Jimmy Hart's grip leaving Davy Boy Smith to power slam IRS all the way through the ring, through the mat. Sorry, I've got the name of the fucking mat. <laughs> That's because you were so excited by seeing Davy's running power slam. Yeah, it, it's amazing. It's a thing of beauty. It really is. It's such a good finish for 92. It's pure power move, you know? And it's what people don't... That's why I think it works so well with Braun doing it now as well. Yeah, it's, it's a great move. For the one, two, three, and obviously... <laughs> Can you imagine if it wasn't? <laughs> Your winner, the British Bulldog, Davy Boysmith. Huge pop for the win. Davy poses for the crowd and looks gormishly off into the distance, thinking about his next hit. What like, a tour. Uh, what a night. What a win. What, what a, a house show. <laughs> what a deal they got on all those Somers before they got on the plane. Fucking A, man. Davey is out of it. He's blown up heavily at the end of this match. Well, he did have to do a running power slam. Yeah, exactly. It's quite t- quite takes a quite a lot out of the muscle, the muscle man. What a but- fun show this was this week. I loved it. Really, really good. Nice nostalgia. Hitting some of the early 90s stuff when we were getting into wrestling. Um, 
HBK and Savage, my God, what a match. Yeah. The perfect balance of two or three really good work rate or huge pop matches with a couple of silly, brilliant characters slotted in between doing stupid shit, which is... Which is why house shows are so good, because that's what you yeah. get. This if is they one of the put things house show stuff on. onto the normal network TV, people might engage with the product a bit more. Yeah. This is one of the things that house shows are starting to die off, it feels like, and especially with everything that's happening. But even before that, like, you know, AEW don't do house shows. WCW weren't doing as my kid slams my treadmill next to me sorry it's, it's it's planning on doing the bulldog slam getting the crowd ready sure <laughs> michael's tuning up the band millie's there just banging away in time or she's essentially saying guys no one gives a shit what you've got to say you've been going for an hour and three quarters now promote your shit and get out after you've cornflake rated it go on what do you think this is a solid four star cornflake for me because of the nostalgia it's in sheffield and hbk macho yeah i think i think i'm gonna be honest this is a three it's not quite a four for me um i think it needs more to it if it's gonna be a four There's if i'm honest i've deliberately forgotten virgil yeah and i really had i remembered <laughs> virgil I, my instant cornflake rating will always be negative two straight away so it's, it's nice good. that it built back up but the main event the pop the fans the crowd Brett and Martel was good as well. Absolutely. Nice wrestling, nice bit of comedy, and always good to see that world-famous tag team of the Sheik and uh, Dino Bravo. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, to finish off this week's episode, uh, I-, I think I mentioned this to you in the message. I don't know if you've got it or not, but I was thinking that as there's lots of people home, working from home, whatever, not being able to go out and entertain themselves, do whatever it is, that we'd maybe recommend a few things to catch up on. Yes, yes, yes. Do you want to start or do you want me to go through? the? Th- I've got three things. Um, are you what are you did you want to talk about modern or of any time? Well, I'll tell you my three things that I'm like okay. if you're bored at home and you've got time to spare and you want to watch something to entertain yourself that's kind of freely available was my thing. Yep, fire so, away. I've got a few. The first one is Vice's Dark Side of the Ring documentary series. Oh yeah, very good. Great series. We've mentioned it a few times, but there are six episodes of season one up for free that was originally made by Vice that's up on all four, which is Channel 4's free streaming platform. If you want to know about like all these horrific moments that happened to pro wrestlers and these really documentary-worthy stories, this is incredibly well-made stuff. And season we mentioned, two... Go on, we, sorry. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, we, we mentioned earlier in the pod about the Miss Elizabeth... Um, the, and Matcha Man yeah. that's covered in series one and it's such an interesting insight into it yeah it's, and each of those is like an hour plus there's like six hours worth of stuff there and it's not just wrestling matches so I was like I thought that'd be a really good thing to recommend if people yeah, haven't really, seen really it yeah really really good and as you said series two is going to be kicking off soon with Jericho narrating yeah and then not only are they covering the Chris Benoit tragedy or the Benoit family tragedy I guess we should call it they're also I didn't realise this they're covering the Owen Hart stuff and they've yep. got owen hart's wife interviewed for the first time yeah it's gonna be oh it's gonna be chilling to watch and it's it's probably gonna open up quite a lot of feelings on the inside but for, from a wrestling fan standpoint and if you're stuck at home and you need something to just ignore the the miseries of life at the moment this vice series yeah i i agree this is great great six episodes to watch real compelling stuff um on a more personal level i work for wrestle talk now um i can confirm i guess i can say this now uh 
I, I'm, you just you literally just did. Well, it's it's more than just I work for Wrestle Talk. I'm now like a full time permanent employee, which is kind of cool. Um, with everything that's going on recently, obviously there might not be as much work available immediately, especially if they stop doing SmackDown. So that's going to be my next project. I'm going to work on the SmackDown edits for Wrestle Talk. Um, but we recently did a show. Uh, it's we already apparently. Uh, Wrestle Talk did a show uh, called No Fans Monday, which is up on YouTube. We did it in co- um, cohesion with Will Ospreay and Frontline Wrestling, and there is some fucking awesome wrestling on that show. Paul Robinson stomp. To OJ My Mario. God, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's really cool. Like Carl Fletcher had a fucking banging match on there. Davy Star against Callum is on there as well, and like. Will Ospreay against his girlfriend B and he beats the shit out of her. Uh, it's it's the guys were so happy. They made so much money for these pro wrestlers. Like they, they blew everything out of the water like it's crazy. Uh, no, it's and all money raised for a worthy cause as well. It's it's great that WrestleTalk are taking the steps to try and make sure that talent is looked after in these times where we are going to be deprived of live entertainment, including pro wrestling, music, anything. So it's great that the guys at Wrestle Talk have arranged that, as you said, in line with Will Ospreay and Frontline to be able to give an outlet and also, more importantly, to the fans to give us yeah. something good to watch. The number of people watching that show live was incredible for something that was so quickly put together and promoted as best they can online. But, you know, it's British wrestling. You've got 10,000 yeah. people at tea time on a Monday night watching wrestling. It's great. Absolutely top effort by all involved. Yeah, the live stream went up to about 12,000 people. They raised, I think, about as many thousand pounds as well. I think it ended up being about 15 grand to split across no, those people, incredible. which is Absolutely bonkers. incredible. I can confirm WrestleTalk didn't take a fucking penny for that. It's, it's incredible. It all went back to the staff, as in the camera crew and the like, live producers and everyone, and all the wrestlers. Like None of the guys working WrestleTalk took a penny for that show. Which is no, it's brilliant for the boys and girls involved bonkersly cool stuff and they, without wishing to, to, to go too in depth in this wrestle talk do a lot more behind the scenes of british wrestling than people realize they they are literally keeping it alive i would say to a lot of people that maybe wouldn't be able to afford to do it if it wasn't for us to talk so what well, are you trying to tell me that promotion that are the first promotion to run shows in london aren't keeping it alive well what? yeah let's just uh yeah just uh just i'm sure they do a lot of good as well but Wrestle Talk do a lot more than people realize, and yeah. the people that run the, the the company are astonishingly good people and don't brag about it, which I think is incredible. So there's my last little recommend. They also give me a job, so yeah, support them for that. <laughs> they employ me, <laughs> so that's all good. <laughs> uh, the last thing is that I only just re- realized this once we were finished watching this show. DDT, our favorite Japanese promotion, are uploading whole free shows to their website ddtpro.com the website has a google translate that works brilliantly for whatever nation you're under so you can help navigate the website go watch some ddt make yourself laugh they have the funniest product in the world and it's all free now go and watch the swimming pool match yeah it's genius so much fun okay go on your recommendations go for it I mean, t- to be fair, it's it's pretty much on the same side of things like that. So Riptide are uploading some of their shows for free. Definitely worth a watch if you've not seen the Riptide's product before. Yeah, gorgeous-looking um, pro wrestling. We covered it on a previous podcast, but following the cancellation of Scrapomania 6, OTT have put up Scrapomania 5 free to view on their on-demand service, so definitely go and give that a view. And, of course, I will say it, go and watch... SEPW 
um, UK promotion based in Kent. Obviously, we're big fans of it. We're both involved in it as well. Absolutely. It's got episodes of Snapshot, which was our version of studio wrestling before American companies started doing, doing studio wrestling. And um, we've got previous shows, classic content. You even get to see me hit Doug Williams. <laughs> British wrestling legend Doug Williams gets hit round the head by yours truly, Tax Williams, with an orange bum bag. Just visit SEPW Wrestling. Just search for the YouTube. Watch the content. It's all free. It's all uploaded there. But most importantly, we hope that, you know, we hope there's an end to the misery that we're going to found. I have a horrible feeling it's going to be a lot harder before it gets a lot better. But we're going to try and continue to do this each week remotely to keep everyone having an opportunity and including ourselves just a break from the real the real world so as always thank you for listening to our little podcast we're very grateful for you sticking by us and please interact with us on twitter if you're isolating if you're stuck we'll get you send us messages if there's anything we can do on our podcast just to try and help things along for you let us know and we'll be happy to help Absolutely. At World of Rest Pod on Twitter. I'm Fanboy Rich on Twitter. I'm at the Tex Williams on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And obviously, I'm not, you know, it's a tough time for everyone. We do have a t shirt at Amazon, but keep your money, look after your relatives. But if you do want to buy a t shirt, we're always grateful, but keep your pennies for yourself unless you need it for loot roll. Sure, yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everyone. Uh, spend an hour or two with us over the next few weeks, every Wednesday or Thursday, whenever we get these out. And uh, good. Yeah. Go. Cool. Thanks, guys. Take care, everyone. Bye bye.